So this morning we are in Family Matters and um, we're talking about family fights. So I'm, I'm, I'm not good at keeping uh, the best till the end, so I'm going to go ahead and give you the thing that you need to remember right up front. So if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. Family fights with each other and family fights for each other. That's all we're going to talk about today, okay? Um, but we've been talking about the value that Jesus places on family, yes? We've talked about how much our kids cost us, right? But we still love our kids. I expected a bigger amen there, honestly. <laughs> kids are in trouble in this church, yes? Um, if you've not been with us for this series, this is one interesting stat. If you have a child now, you will spend $300,000 per child and by the time they turn 18. Not counting college, right? $300,000. And how many of you buy the groceries and know that that's all food, right? Because things are crazy. Every time when he comes home from the store, she's like, went up again, went up again. Like, it's crazy how much stuff costs. So it costs $300,000 to raise a child from 0 to 18 today. So family, it costs us. There's, there's an investment in family, but family makes the investment, right? Because family understands the value. So when we understand the value of family, we're willing to make the cost, pay the cost of it. We've talked about that. And where does that value come from? Not really a rhetorical question. The value comes from Jesus, yes? Because Jesus paid the price on the cross, so that that person sitting next to you right now could be in the family with you. Are y'all good? I scared you with the word fight. I can tell, right? And here's why that scares us. Because for some reason, and I don't really know why it is, but for some reason, we all believe a, a great lie. And this is the lie that we believe. Well, if we all love Jesus, we'll all get along. Yeah, it's a lie, isn't it? But we, and, we, and we know it, but the minute there's conflict, we check out. We don't know what to do with that. And we say things like, but I thought, I thought this church would be different than the last church. And I thought that church was going to be better than the last church. And at some point, if you go far enough back, you start to realize that the one thing that the church has in common, all those churches had in common was what? you and me, right? So I want to walk you through how family fights with each other and how family fights for each other. I'm going to add two phrases to it, and then you've got everything. And I'm just going to give, give you tons of scripture, okay? So listen to these statements. Because Jesus places value on family, we don't walk away when we fight with each other. And we don't run away when we fight for each other. Can I say that one more time? And then we'll just dive into a bunch of scripture. Because of the value that Jesus places on family, and we've said this from the very beginning of this series, that family is a big part of the kingdom, right? So this, it's not called family matters because we're talking about like specific matters in the family. What we're saying is in the kingdom of God, family matters, and if it doesn't, we've missed the kingdom, right? So the kingdom of God is not this big machine, herd people in and herd people out, and it's all about how many, how many people you can sit in the seats. 
We don't want to fill the seats because we, we need to feel better about ourselves. We want to fill the seats because Jesus is always looking to adopt and build the family of the kingdom. Right? So family matters. And because family matters, we don't walk away when we fight with each other. And we don't run away when we fight for each other. Psalm 68, 6. Um, my apologies to you for not having gotten all these verses to the people in the back. Because they're so good about putting scriptures on the screens for you. But I didn't get it to them in time. So you're going to have to write these down. Or here's a thought. Use your Bible. Here we go. Psalm 68, 6 says this. God sets the lonely in families. Where? In families. He sets the lonely in families. He does not set them on tender. Oh, you're lonely. I've got an app for that, right? That's not what God says. His answer to loneliness is family. He sets the lonely in families. That's the key verse this entire series. So um, let's talk about families fighting with each other. Here's some reasons why families fight with each other. These first couple will not surprise you. Number one, we're sinful. Everybody say sinful. Nobody likes to talk about it, right? Like, give me something encouraging, pastor. Okay, I will, I will give you something positive. I am positive that we are sinful. Romans 3.23 says this, For a few of you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does it say? All, right? Do you know what the word all means in the Greek? All. Everybody. Every last one. Look around the room. If you're watching online, look in your living room, right? If you're alone, look in a mirror. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We fight with each other because we're sinful. We fight with each other because it's a normal part of humanity. It's like, God, I just need to give, I need to give verses to show this. And he just reminded me, like, pretty much every New Testament letter is a reminder that if you're human, you're going to have conflict. Almost every one of the letters that we, that you, you'll, you'll wake up tomorrow morning and you will brew a cup of coffee, I, I hope, or hot tea. I don't know, tea or hot coffee, whatever you are. But you'll brew that. You'll sit down in the morning and it'll be so peaceful You'll play some Bethel or something on your playlist, and you'll be like, oh, God, I just need to be with you. And then you'll read scriptures in the Bible that were written to resolve conflict. Because all the, all the letters in the New Testament were written to churches to correct them about things that were going on that were wrong. Like Paul said things in 1 Corinthians like, get rid of that man. <laughs> That's fun, Right? Like, they were having conflict, and they were addressing it. So when you think, is it normal to have conflict? Is it normal to fight with each other, even as Christians? The answer is yes, a thousand times yes. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Jesus is talking. He's preaching his famous Sermon on the Mount, and he said this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Don't miss this. You wouldn't need peacemakers if there was already peace. We just missed the simple gospel, y'all. Jesus is looking at a whole bunch of people, and, he's, and he knows what we know, right? How many people do you need to have in a room to have an argument? One. You argue with yourself all the time. 
you think a thought and go, what am I thinking? That's not right. It takes one breathing person to have conflict. And Jesus was looking at a whole hillside of people, and he's like, blessed are the peacemakers. Y'all going to have some problems. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but blessed are the peacemakers who can look at a whole room full of potential conflict and actual conflict and bring peace into that place. So the very fact that he would call out peacemakers means that there is peace to be made. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. One of my favorite passages of Scripture because it's at the beginning of the church, right? They've had Pentecost, and thousands of people are coming to church, right? I mean, I'm, I, I'm, too, I'm, I'm just way too transparent with you guys. I love a packed house, right? So weekends like this when I know, like, huge percentage of the church is going to be out of town. They're like, whatever they're doing, and they've all let me know that. I'm like, I'm so excited for you, but I just love a packed house. So sometimes I think, like, what would it have been like to have lived in the first few chapters of Acts, right? Can you imagine what would happen if our church was growing by thousands? Well, I would be shake. I'd be rocking back and forth like, somebody help me, right? We'd be freaking out. But if you came in next week and you, not only did you not have your seat, but you didn't have your section because people got here actually on time before you. They were so hungry for the gospel that they were sitting in your section, and you're like, uh, excuse me, I think that was my section. And they're like, who are you? What? I'm just, I, I just... I just was walking downtown during the social district, and I met Jesus, and I just popped into church here to hang out and see what this is all about. And I didn't know this was your seat. I'm so sorry, but can I just sit here? I mean, right? Like, we, we think that we would be like, this is revival. This is great. But no, what would happen to y'all is what happened in Acts chapter 6. Listen to this. In those days when the number of disciples were increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews, those are two different people, people groups, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Basically, there are so many people here that my people ain't getting no food. So your people better stop taking all the food so that my people can get some food. <laughs> I want a New Testament church experience. That's a New Testament church experience. It sounds like ours, right? That's my seat. When are we going to sing my songs? When is he going to preach from my translation? Probably never. Verse 2, so the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, what is happening? I thought we all love Jesus. Why can't we just get along? That's not what it says, right? Oh, you don't know because I didn't give them the scriptures and it's not on the screen. Here's what it says. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. I wish I had time to preach on this, but I don't. What we do in church when there's a lack of workers is we take whoever can breathe. What the early church did was they looked for people who were full of the spirit and wisdom. Well, if we were waiting on that, God, there would be nobody to serve. I think God's like, yeah, like maybe you should get full of the spirit and wisdom. <laughs> and then there'll be a place for you. 
Okay, let's keep going. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. The proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip and five other people with names I don't want to say, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. The point here is even in the early church, the growth of the church actually created conflict in the church. But they didn't get rid of the people that were causing the conflict. They worked it out, right? But they fought with each other. They fought with each other. So here's why we fight with each other. One, we're sinful. Two, it's a normal part of humanity, even for Christians. Because you're still human, right? Are, are you? Oh, good. We need to take another intermission. Y'all get some more coffee and come back. Here's another reason why we fight with each other. We need to be trained. Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Yeah, we have to be trained in how to fight. We were having, I was having a conversation this past week, and um, you ever heard... People that have, like, family ministries, like they, and if you've said this, please give me grace, okay? I'm just being honest. I've, I've sat in churches as a youth pastor, and I've heard people come in, like, they, usually if they have a family ministry, they sing a lot, and then they teach, right? And so the people that are teaching, they'll get up and they'll say things like, in 40 years of marriage, my spouse has never heard me yell. My kids have never heard me raise my voice. And I'm always, like, so convicted because, I mean, it's not like we're at home screaming, but what? I mean, like, it never feels real. I'm not saying it's not. I don't know those people, and I'm, if, they, if it is, that's fantastic. But my, the point here is, like, we, we have to learn how to fight. And if, if, our, if in your family, if you're teaching your kids that normal people never fight— your kids are going to be okay in your house, but they're going to struggle when they leave. Because I'm here to tell you, normal people fight. They don't hit each other, I don't think. And they don't throw things at each other. But they do have conflict. And so part of why we fight is because we're being trained how to fight. Right? So what's interesting about that Acts chapter 6 passage is that the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic, Hebraic Jews, they were frustrated with each other, right? That was in Acts chapter 6. So two different Jews were trying to figure out how to come together. Why was it important that the early church learn how to fight through that? Rhetorical question. I'll give you the answer because, you know, I'm smart like that. Because that was Acts chapter 6. And in Acts chapter 15... The leaders of the church were going to have another meeting that sounded very much like that, except it wasn't going to be about different types of Jews. It was going to be about this. Well, we're Jews, but now Gentiles got saved. And do we, should we make them get circumcised? That would be fun. We should make them get circumcised. Yes. Who wants to come to discover the gathering to be circumcised, right? Like that's what, and they were like, no, no, no. You know, now we think about it, let's don't make that the requirement. And they had this long discussion about what would need to happen for the Gentiles to come into the church. And then Paul 
writes Ephesians chapter 2, and he talks about how Christ abolished the wall between Jews and Gentiles so that out of two different people, he can make one family. They had to get it right in Acts chapter 6 among themselves so they could get it right later when outsiders were coming in. We have to learn how to fight. We have to be trained to fight. We train in safety so we can triumph in danger. This is why coaches don't put in players who have never practiced. Right? Well, I've enjoyed seeing you on the sidelines for all those practices, but now that the championship's on the line, go get them, big boy. That doesn't happen. They're not going to put you in actual game if you haven't even practiced. It's the reason why we have basic training for the military. Because we train in safety so we can triumph in danger. Psalm 18, I don't think I'm going to read the whole verses 30 to 42. But verse 34, David's writing and he says, He, God, trains my hands for battle. What's interesting to me about that is he's talking about being trained for battle, but in verse 30, he says that God shields all who take refuge in him. It's in the safety of God shielding us that he trains our hands for battle so that he can send us out to fight. And then finally, we fight with each other because it's, it's just... It's part of how we grow up, y'all. This is not a parenting message, but if you're giving your kids stickers and trophies for every time they breathe, I mean, y'all, there's a season for that. It's called being a baby, right? And maybe like, I love it. We were candy. We were handing out candy this past Thursday, you know, and um. This one family, they came walking up, and the kid was like, the little kid, like maybe that tall, and he was just, he was like this. What is that the sign for? Bathroom. And so the mom was like, would it be possible? I was like, yes, just go, just go. Right? She came in, and he, he, they came back out, and I was like, how'd it go? Right? And she was like, he peed and pooped in the toilet. She was so excited, right? And then she said, he looked at me and said, Mom, take a picture. And I was like, did you, did you take a picture and post it? Like, I did that at the gathering, right? <laughs> that would have been awesome. The point here is, like, there's a season. There's a season for stuff like that, right? Like, way to go. You did it. You peed in the toilet. But, like, that's something you say to, like, your one-year-old. But if you're saying that when you're 40, dude, yeah, man, today was a good day. Peed in the toilet. That's a problem, right? That's a problem. We, we fight with each other because we need to grow up. We don't have to celebrate everything that we all do. Sometimes it's actually okay to say, that might not have been a good choice, right? Maybe that wasn't your best day. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We're in this together like we are sharpening each other and so when y'all call me out like if I'm immature I get mad 
But if I want to be like Jesus, it's like feedback is a gift. Thank you. It hurts a little bit, like iron sharpening iron, but, man, you're making me a better preacher, a better pastor, a better leader, and, and we're all looking more like Jesus because iron sharpens iron. You got, there's probably other reasons why we fight with each other, but there's four reasons right there that we fight with each other. And now let's talk about why we fight for each other. Turn to somebody and say, I got your back. Some of y'all are in trouble because nobody's telling you they got your back, right? I wanted to normalize the conflict that we feel sometimes in church, right? And that we don't walk away when we fight with each other. And to be fully, I mean, I don't, people say to be fully transparent, fully honest. If that, if I say that, does that mean I haven't been to this point? I think I've been pretty transparent, right? I, I talked to a lot of leaders. I am a leader. This past season's been brutal, right? Because family doesn't walk away. And yet, some have. And it's like, wait, what? I, but we're family. Well there, well, there was conflict. Yeah, but family doesn't walk away when you fight with each other. Now, just to be super clear, there are relationships that are not good. They are toxic. They are not healthy. And so the Bible even says, as far as it's possible with you, live at peace with all men. I tell people all the time, sometimes the only way it's possible is to live as far away from people as possible so that you can have peace. So I'm not saying, like, stay with horrible relationships because you just have to do that. I am saying, and we'll talk about that not next week, but the week after, we'll talk about that family does leave, right? But there's a right way to leave and a wrong way to leave. And just just dating tip from the pastor, ghosting, the wrong way to leave, right? Just disappearing and never having another wrong way to leave. When it's family, right? So we don't walk away when we fight with each other. We sit, we have conversation, we work it out. And if in the working out it means that we separate, then what I love about the Bible is that's in there too. Paul and Barnabas had such a sharp dispute that they went separate ways, right? Like it's in there. The Bible doesn't hide that. Sometimes that happens. But when we have a culture where family fights with each other and it's healthy, then it unifies us so that we can fight for each other, okay? So let's end on that. Here's reasons why we fight for each other. Number one, this is a no-brainer. Our enemy is a fighter. It, me and you, right? I don't know what happened with everybody else there, but like maybe you're not, you don't know this, but the word Satan literally means adversary. And in Revelation 9-11, listen to this. It says, they had as king over them the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek is Apollyon, that is destroyer. When your name means adversary and your nickname is destroyer, you don't have good intentions for the people that you're against. So one reason we have to fight for each other is because we have an enemy who is a fighter. He's not bringing cupcakes to you. Now, he might bring you cupcakes laced with poison, right? But his intent is, what do we know from John 10.10? 10? 
To steal, kill, and throw you a surprise birthday party. No. Destroy, right? He has no good intention with us. And so we, we fight for each other because we have an, a common enemy, and he is an adversary. We fight for each other because sometimes we need others to fight with us. First Samuel chapter 14, verses 6 and 7. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to that outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the, hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Verse 7, do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I'm with you, heart and soul. Fighting together reveals that our hearts are together. Right? Hey, let's go, let's go take on the enemy. Maybe God will come through for us. Some of us won't even give God our yes when it's a guarantee. And this armor bearer gave Jonathan his yes on a maybe. Hey, perhaps God will come through. Well, let's do it. <laughs> He's crazy. He said, I'm with you heart and soul. He was with him heart and soul because he could go fight with him because he was already knit together. You see what I'm saying? We fight for each other because sometimes we just need others to fight with us. Sometimes we fight with each other for each other because the battle's bigger than any one of us. Judges chapter 1. Verses 1 through 3, after the death of Joshua, the Israelites asked the Lord, who of us is to go up first to fight against the Canaanites? And the Lord answered, Judah shall go up. I have given the land into their hands. Are you with me? So who should go first? And, Jesus, and God says, Judah. So the men of Judah, hearing that, said to the Simeonites, come up with us into the territory allotted to us. To fight against the Canaanites, and we in turn will go with you into yours. Here's the point. They already had the land. It was already promised to them. God told them to go up and take the land first, and they turned to their brothers and said, you, you should come with me. And if you'll come with us and fight for our land, we'll come with you and fight for yours. So sometimes we fight for each other because we just need people to help us in a battle that seems bigger than us. I mean, America, y'all, we're so bad about just gutting through on our own. Well, I'm just going to grind it out because that's what we do here in this country, right? Why? I mean, ask for help. Tell somebody I'm struggling, right? I need, I need you to come alongside me. Let's go fight this together. And then the last scripture I'm going to show you is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, and we'll close here. So Paul has listed all of the, all of the, um, the armor that we're supposed to wear as believers, and he says in verse 16, In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. I brought a picture, if we can show that image, um, of, of what this verse looks like there we go so he says in addition to all this take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and the reason I brought that picture is because again I, I, I feel like sometimes I'm ragging on the American church I don't mean to do that look it's not bad to read the Bible with western eyes because we live in the west right but if you can show that image one more time that's a western mindset interpretation of this scripture because you see who, how many people are fighting? One. And he's holding a shield, 
And it's a good shield. And he's extinguishing those arrows. And doesn't he look awesome? I mean, I want to be that guy, right? I want to be Captain America. I want to be that guy. We want to be the hero. But that's a Western mindset. And the people that first heard this letter being written, read to them would never have pictured that. What they would have pictured would have been what the Romans did. They would have pictured um, the, the shield of faith was typically the size of a door. It wasn't small for, like, like Captain America's shield. It was the size of a door. And they would use it to build what was called a testudo, which is a Latin word that means tortoise. Now, I've got a movie clip. We're going to show it. Um, hopefully, y'all watching live, we don't get kicked off. But it's really short, but it's just so you can see it in action, okay? So let's show that, and then we'll wrap up. turtle shell happening and so as they were walking together whenever there were arrows coming things were being thrown from off of a building they would the front people would hold theirs up here and all the people behind them would put them over their heads and they would literally form a cave that would protect them and they would actually take those doors and they would cover them with animal hides and they would wet the animal hides so that they would extinguish the fiery arrows that the enemy would shoot. This sounds very familiar, doesn't it? This sounds a lot like what we just read. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. I just want you to see that this was not written to the Western individualistic mindset. This was written to, a, to people who thought community. I told you, I think it was last week or a couple weeks ago, like a little Bible reading hack. Anytime you read the word you, just see the word y'all. And what he's saying is, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which y'all can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And this should call us to a place where we need to, one, we need to repent. Can I tell you why? Because some of the people in our lives that have been hit with flaming arrows, they were hit with flaming arrows because we didn't put our shields up over them. We can complain all day long about it. But if we didn't put our shields up over them, then we didn't live out that scripture, and they got hit with a fiery dart. Man, I, I need y'all. You need me. We need each other. When the enemy is coming at us, and he's just like shooting the arrows, man, we need people who are just like, put it up, build a turtle, right? We should make some t-shirt out of this, like, be a turtle. We need each other. And that is the reason why we fight for one another. Because the enemy is stronger than any one of us. We stand in Christ. We put our shields up. And with those shields, we can extinguish the fiery darts, the fiery arrows that he shoots at us. So how do we practically work this out? 
I'll give you some scripture you can go look up on your own time. If you're trying to figure out how to fight with each other biblically, I would suggest that you spend time in Matthew chapter 18, where it talks about how to, how to literally address somebody that you have an issue with, right? Where you go to them privately, and then you maybe have to take somebody else with you. And then if they don't repent, you got to go to another level. Like, this is kind of how you deal with stuff in a church as Christians, is we honor one another with the truth, right? And if you're fighting for each other, man, the way you practically live that out is, God, I've got a shield, and I've got faith, and I want to use it not just for me, but I want to use it for the people that are in my life. And so practically, you have to share with people the things that you're fighting so they can fight with you. Am I the only one who has had conversations with people? And as you're talking to them and you, you take the risk and you just crack the door of your heart, I don't do a lot of cracking. I just like share it, right? But as you just let them in a little bit and they, they say these words to you, you too? I thought I was the only one. That's why the Bible says to confess your sins to one another, that you can be healed. Because I believe that when we let people into our struggle, what we find out is they're struggling with the same thing. And there's something about that that just makes you go, oh, we, can, we can fight together. Turtle, right? Like make a turtle, let's go. Because when you're together, when you're together in the fight, man, you've got somebody with you. They've got your back, you've got theirs. That's why we fight for each other. So, we don't run away in fear when we fight for each other. We stand firm together, locked arm in arm, defending one another against whatever the enemy is bringing. Now, there's no way to call you to an altar this morning and have you, like, cry your eyes out here. And the only way to respond to this is to do it, right? We just have to start fighting because families fight. If you're dealing with conflict with another believer, one, I want you to know this, it's normal. And two, we've read the scriptures. Jesus has a lot to say about how to fight with each other, right? He wants to grow us through it. And if you are facing a situation that's bigger than you, you need somebody to fight for you, you need to let somebody know what it is. And then we fight together for one another. Make sense? If I said it was over, if you said yes, when I said, does it make sense, what would you say? I thought so. I'm more motivated. Come on, let's stand up. We're going to pray, and then we're going to go out, and then we're going to eat. Yeah, family, family eats together, too. Hey, I'm going to pray. This morning, when you're going through the line out there to get food, I know you probably do this every week, but will you just intentionally thank the hospitality team that for the last year and three months has fed our church family every Sunday, not finger food, like lunch, right? It's amazing. And what I really believe that God has done through that is he has built a culture here of family where people are welcome at the table. Um, and, and by the way, since this is the second day of the social district that started at 10 o'clock, if you're out there eating and somebody just happens to walk in because they're like, I was just hanging outside but saw food, you just tell them to grab a plate, right? Because God led them to us, and we get to love on them as well. So, Father, 
This is your time as well. Thank you for your word. Thank you for worship. Thank you for what you've done in this service. And now as we just kind of go and sit and eat and talk, I just pray, God, that you would be in all those conversations. I pray for those in the room that are facing conflict with people and specifically with Christians. Man, it can be so hard, God. It can hurt so much. And I pray that this morning you would give them the peace of knowing that conflict is not foreign in the kingdom, but we fight as family. And so we aren't going to walk away when that happens. And God, I pray for those in the room who feel alone in the fight. God, our heart is to fight for them. And so we definitely do, God. We pray all the time. We intercede here at the church. But I pray that even as we eat together, that they would have the courage to simply say to somebody, can I share with you what I'm facing? And that they would experience the strength that comes when brothers and sisters lock arms in battle and hold up their shields of faith and extinguish the fires of the enemy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.